1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. My name is Eric Name, Walking Bucks supporter at The Athletic, Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brewhoop.com, Frank Madden. And Frank, I'm I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to even think of today. I don't, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just exhausted. So we'll try to get through this and try to figure out uh, exactly kind of what happened because there is, I mean, uh, a, a shit ton to cover. I, I, okay, so let's, let's try to go from, I guess, kind of from the start. So uh, the day starts with us finding out that Brooke Lopez is going to sign a four-year, $52 million deal as first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, And this, I mean, I I don't want to say it was telegraphed in some ways, but I think it definitely was just that, um, you know, we saw that Horst opened up a space that you could have fit a four-year, $54 million deal into uh, by trading Tony Snell in the 30th pick for John Lure and then you you fit in a four year fifty two million dollar deal uh, for for Brook Lopez and I, I mean I think to me I don't I don't want to say it, it wasn't a it, it it wasn't a surprise but you know that kind of seemed like I think to both of us kind of exactly what was going to happen with
0: Brooke. yeah I mean I think there were uh, I don't know if there were any um, at a very high level I don't know if 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 kind of the outcome of today was was a shocker in terms of. You know, especially Brooke Lopez returning and Chris Middleton returning. I think we knew Malcolm Brogdon was probably a coin flip depending on what kind of numbers he was going to get in the restricted free agent market. we didn't know if that was going to happen today or if that might drag out and that you know George hill was was also kind of a toss up, you know in part depending on what would happen with Malcolm. and um you know we kind of saw just that ultimately. I think especially the mechanics of the Malcolm deal, I think were surprising. I was not anticipating a sign and trade where they actually got like something back for him. I felt like it was going to be more of a kind of like binary, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think Brooke being the first domino to fall was, was not surprising. I think the only question was whether it was maybe Brooke or Chris that we heard about first. Um, and, you know, kind of what we talked about, you know, the bucks had limitations on what they could offer him in terms of a first year salary. So kind of for better or worse, they, they couldn't really give him uh, an overpay in terms of salary. Uh, and, you know, I, I've got my assumptions are, you know, they're going to start all these deals at as low as possible and then give them the maximum raises they can in order to get whatever the total numbers that have been reported are. So, you know, you can get Brooke to around $52 million if you start him at twelve. Um, And so, again, like, would you rather do two years on Brooke Lopez? Yeah, probably given his age, right? Three years would be better than four years. But uh, given what he meant to this team on both ends last year, I mean, you know, 12 million for what he provides to this team is a bargain. You know, I mean, he's, I would say he is the second biggest bargain on this team still um, after Giannis Uh And obviously, when you can get a, you know, a, a 501 Central Time signing on June 30th uh, that you feel really good about from a value perspective, you have to be happy about that. And, you know, again, like there's always a trade off, though, when you make those early signings. And with Brooke, it's just that it's a longer contract rather than uh, a shorter one.
1: Yeah. And, and I think with him, you know, I I wrote this at the Athletic, but I, I was thinking about it as like, I don't want to call it a career year for yeah. Brooke because that's like offensive to the player that, that he has been. Like, obviously, he's a guy that scored 20 points uh, per game in multiple seasons. He's been to an all star game. But, like, it's it's tough to sum it up in a different way because we just saw him do something that no one's ever done before and like i i I've talked to kind of people about this on twitter and you know i mentioned the fact that hey like no one's hit 153s and had 150 blocks in a season and you know like even if you go through and compare it to like someone said like oh chris chris could do it and i said Yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, Chris Stapps, uh, I think his most blocks in a season is like 115. His most threes in a season is like 120, like something like that. And it's like, well, you know, if he was in Brooks' role, he could obviously do it. Of course. But like whether or not other people can do it, no one has ever done it before. So it is special and it is unique. And because it is special, unique and an anomaly, you have to wonder, like, can it happen again? And, you know, we always talk about contract years and, and guys playing out of their minds in those moments. And again, I, I think you can feel pretty good about $13 million a year for Brook Lopez. Uh, but at the same time, you're looking at uh, a seven-footer going into his 12th NBA season and coming off uh, maybe the best defensive year of his career and, you just this strange offensive year where he, he he shoots the lights out from three and and really at a higher level than he had before. And okay, maybe maybe that's that's an anomaly, right? Like maybe he's not a thirty six percent three point shooter. Maybe he's a thirty two percent three point shooter. And then what happens? So I I think it's really interesting, and like you said, to you know kind of deal with that idea. You, you had to risk it a little bit. You had to say, all right, like right, we'll sign up for four years of this and we'll hope that you age gracefully in year 12, 13, 14, and 15. And we'll hope that, you know, in reality, uh, that the next two years you're very good, right? Like the, the Bucks window, as we always talk about, like the, the window that you can guarantee is the one right in front of you. Uh, You can you can only guess about what else might be out there. Um, So yeah, with Brooke, I mean, I don't think it really surprised us. Uh, As you said, the length a little bit uncomfortable, but still Brooke Lopez, fantastic last year and, you know, in a spot where I think you can feel pretty confident about what he does. And more importantly, what Giannis is going to be able to do with him around both offensively and defensively. He frees up Giannis. And, you know, I've talked about this difference on the radio a couple times, but he's, he's essential. Like he's essential. He's an essential person to what you do to your identity. Uh, and that is, that is very important. Like if he's the guy that frees up Giannis to not have to protect the rim so much and, and fly around on offense, that's awesome. And if he's the guy that opens up the floor for Giannis on Offense, uh, maybe I said on defense and I should have switched around, but um, that's huge. That That is really a, a big deal um, that, you know, both offensively and defensively, Brooke makes all of this much easier for Giannis. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, any other, yeah.
1: Brooke? Yeah.
0: yeah. And ju- just to add on top of that, I mean, in terms of like replaceability of like skill sets on this roster, I mean, <laughs> there's nobody who can do what Brooke does in terms of room protection, uh, you know, especially right now, given how things are shaping up. You know, we saw last year after the trade deadline, you know, basically the Bucks went with a four-big lineup of Brook, Giannis, Urson, uh, and Nico. This year, it's shaping up to be essentially the same group except Sub and DJ Wilson for Nikola Meritich. So you really only play, you know, one true center in that group, and then you're basically just putting, you know, a couple of combo forwards, or sorry, combo bigs um, with Giannis and, and Brook. And so, you know, Brook is really important we'll see we'll see who else they might sign there was uh shams uh, reporting tonight the brooks are interested in who else but robin lopez <laughs> which is we, we can maybe talk about a little bit later um but clearly i mean you know the what brooke does is essential he's their most dangerous perimeter shooter among their big men he stretches you know he, he is the long bomb threat of all long bomb threats on this team especially with meritage gone and obviously the rim protection stuff, there's nobody who who can stand there in the paint and protect the rim the way he does. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we saw Dwayne Deadman get, what, three years, $40 million. I think there were some non-guarantees in that. Um, so, again, you know, I'd rather have Brook than Deadman or pretty much any other guy that was in this ballpark of,
1: you know, value. I mean, think about Vucevic's number. Yeah. Like, it was, uh, was that almost double It was double, yeah. Got? Yeah, and, he basically got a big honest contract. <laughs> and I mean, if you can, you know, think about. And again, it's not always helpful to, you know, have these type of comparisons. But you know, I remember some people asking me if I thought Vucevic could do what what Lopez did if Lopez's market was too big, and Vucevic got two times as much money. Yeah. Like that, that, like that. That's the kind of stuff you you kind of think through when you think through um, all of this. All right, Middleton time. Yep, let's do it. All right, Chris Middleton gets a five-year, $178 million deal from the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, I mean, I guess there's going to be some people telling us they told us so, because that's not technically a max, Um, and and that all all of us were wrong in saying that the that Middleton was going to get a max, but I gotta say, five years 178 million certainly feels like a max. Uh so certainly feels like it's right around there. And, and obviously it is a near max. He could have got 190 um instead, gets 178 from the Bucks. And again, don't think this is all that surprising. Uh don't didn't really see this going any other way. Um it, we both kind of said, you know, the Bucks are gonna are gonna have to pony up and offer him the money, and that's that's it, right? Like, uh, I don't know that there's that there's really all that much else to it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, I, I think we we knew he would get a max
0: from another team if if it came to that, right? A four year max, and I think you know the, the question was always, okay, the Bucks talk had been for a few days of the bucks, you know, or over a week, actually the bucks would, would basically had clinched him by going five years. And so obviously then it was, well, do you really have to go the full $190 million max to get him? If you give that 50 year. And obviously we were hoping that wouldn't be the case. And again, we should in no way confuse this for a bargain or a deal that, you know, Chris is quote unquote worth in some, you know, objective kind of sense. I mean, this, as we were talking about the other day, I mean, two less than
1: Tobias Harris, though. Yeah. two million <laughs> less least, than Tobias at Harris. Can,
0: at least we can fall back on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's an absolute ton of money. Um, I think you assume that he's getting the eight percent raises, which only the Bucks can offer. Which the interesting thing here is that um, this allows them to start him at less than the max while still paying him, you know, essentially the same amount per year that he could have gotten on a max on the, on, on the open market over four years, but instead over five years. So basically he could have gotten 35 million per year over four years as a free agent on the open market. Instead, he'll get, uh, you know, 35.5 or so, um, as a, uh, returning to Milwaukee over five years. And again, I mean, like I said the other night, I, I think five-year deals are, you know, things you would generally want to avoid, uh, under any circumstance short of a, you know, super duper star, or like a young guy who still has like a lot of ceiling that he can still reach, and thus you know can kind of outperform his contract. So yeah, I mean, if 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 I had my choice, especially given the fact that you know the Bucks are not close to the luxury tax right now, I would have rather given uh, Chris just a straight up four year max, assuming you know that 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 was just the best anyone else can do. That said, we've seen free agents you know try to leverage the well you're only going to offer me what other teams can offer you. Screw you. I'm going to go to some other team type of mindset. Um, I don't think that realistically, if push came to shove that Chris Middleton actually would have done that. Um, you know, he had a, uh, a, why I'm excited to return to Milwaukee thing teed up for Malika Andrews and, uh, an ESPN sort of upon signing. And he had, you know, apparently bought his house. What a couple months ago uh, in, in the Milwaukee area, bought a new house. So again, we can kind of armchair quarterback this net net. Chris was always going to get a ton of money. And really the question was just, you know, does he start at a max number? Does he start at a slightly less than max number and then escalate max numbers from there? Um, So ultimately, you know, I have him assuming 8% raises, which again, only the Bucks could offer 8% raises. They could start him at probably as low as like 30.6 million, which is more than 2 million less than his max this coming year. Uh, and still get him to that, you know, let's say $177.5 million figure. Um, so again, we'll see kind of where the final accounting comes comes out. Absolute ton of money. You know, the risks of doing this are always, you know, that a guy gets hurt, right? And that he, you know, becomes uh, an immovable uh, contract or something like that, right? Um, fundamentally, you know, Chris has to be, stay pretty healthy and has to perform at his current level. If he does that, you know, I think you could still, can still move this contract. Right. And I mean, we talked about that, that, you know, other, other players on monster contracts, uh, who are not, you know, I mean, Mike Conley, right. I think you can argue Mike Conley could to, to certain teams be a more appealing asset than Chris, just because he's a point guard. And if you need a point guard, then okay, you'd rather have Mike Conley than Chris Middleton, but wing defenders, three and D playmaker, you know what Chris does. That's also a very, very malleable skill set in the NBA. So if he stays healthy and continues to produce sort of at his current levels, um, you know, I think you could still move him for for positive or at worst neutral value over the next couple of years if you really needed to. Um, you know, and I, I, we talked about the other day, I mean, Michael Redd three years into his contract, you know, as much as people act like that was the, the biggest mistake ever. I mean, they could have gotten out from under it before his injuries and they they didn't. And that's why it, you know, ultimately became obviously a really bad contract because he didn't play basically his last two, three years or at any type of level. Um, But they could have gotten expirings in the first round pick for him after three years. And, you know, ultimately they didn't do that. So obviously with Chris, you know, you hope that this is just the start of him continue to do what he has been doing. And, you know, this will take him into his early thirties. And obviously at some point he's going to start to decline, but you just hope that especially these next, you know, three years in particular, he can continue to play at a really high level and that he doesn't tail off, you know, too badly. Um, and then obviously, the other big piece of this is that you hope that this was the most, you know, this along with Brooke, you hope were the two deals that would be most important to just letting Giannis know that, hey, this team is committed to running it back with the group that we have. And obviously, we'll talk about what losing Malcolm Brogdon means for that discussion because, again, they could have kept Malcolm Brogdon as well, perhaps not hill if they had done that but um you know obviously with chris being i think the number one priority in terms of like you know if you asked Giannis, what do the bucks need to do this summer i think the first thing he'd tell you was bring back chris middleton and again we're projecting a little bit but i imagine he might have said brooke was was number two um so again, uh, those guys have been critical, and obviously they were guys that stayed healthy all year and were kind of consistent parts of what the Bucks did and how the Bucks succeeded all season long. And so obviously, uh, you know, if nothing else, like from a floor perspective, um, you know, we can talk about like did the Bucks max out? You know what they could have done this summer. I don't think you can say they've done that. But in terms of making sure that you avoided sort of a, a doomsday scenario. Um, those two guys are obviously the, the two pieces that we've felt you had to start with and obviously, you know, getting those done at five Oh one slash even before then in terms of when the news broke, obviously that, you know, kind of, I think was a big breath of, you know, sigh of relief to, to, I think for us. And I think, you know, again, it'll be debate over, especially the Middleton contract, which we've talked a lot about, and again, it's a ton of money, uh, but you know, I think from our perspective, kind of the cost of doing business if you want to win a championship in the next year or two.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess in, in what I, I wrote, I think so often with Middleton, we end up, I don't want to say lost in the weeds, um, but, you know, so often like you and I have had this conversation. I have, I don't even know how many we've discussed Chris Middleton and his worthiness uh, hundreds of times at this point, probably like across the the three years that we've done this podcast. So I get, I think so often it's like, Oh, the money and all this. And then like, I, I was just like looking through stuff and it's like, okay, so you do go to like, go to basketball reference and do like a simple search for guys that, you know, get 18 points a game and four assists per game. Like there's, there's like 20 some guys on that list. Then you're like, go check out guys that knock down threes at like, a uh, 37% rate or better at seven three point attempts per 36 or something like that. And, you know, there's not many people on that, on that list. And then, you, you know, you think about wing defenders that have good size that can cover the league's best wings every night. And there's not many guys on that list. And like, you know, you put together a Venn diagram of just those three things. And it's like, there's two people on that list, essentially, like it's Chris Middleton and Paul George. And I'm not trying to say Chris Middleton is Paul George and everyone gets pissed off when I do this. So it's like, Oh, well you're just finding specific requirements that will fit Chris Middleton and not other people. And it's like, fine. If you want to take off some points and some assists and some accuracy, like, you know what? You're still going to find like maybe 10 to 15 wings in the league that do all of the things that Chris Middleton do. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I could find one wing that could do this and one wing that could do this. And you know, one guy that could do this. And it's like, yeah but then you have three guys trying to do what one guy can do. So like you just get to a point where it's like Chris Middleton's really good like that that that's that's just the simple fact uh, of all of this. no matter how much people want to say he disappears, he doesn't show up to big games, like whatever it may be, like Chris Middleton is just really good, and the bucks will be more than happy to have him. like he is the type of guy that, as you said, will fit in anywhere in the league. Every team would be happy to have Chris Middleton on their roster. Now, is he going to play to the level of a contract that's going to pay him, I think, on average, like $35.5 million per year? No, he won't. But very few players in the league play up to that level. Like You're going to have the 5 to 10 guys that deserve super maxes and super duper maxes. Like Giannis, you could pay... 70 million a year and still be you know probably not even getting at his value like that 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 happens throughout the league and then you know the tier below that are guys that are going to get overpaid because everyone has money to pay so that's why chris is going to get this contract and yeah it's going to be really tough for him to play at that level and he probably won't but if you want to win that's what you have to do like you you just have to pay guys that and again i don't I don't know if this was summer of 2016 uh, type spending, and, and it may very well end up being that when we look back. I think by the time we're recording this at 1030 on Sunday night, I think there's almost $2 billion spent if I, if I saw some tweets right. Um, so like, there's a lot of money out there. Um, but to me, I – I don't know. I, 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 tired of this conversation long, long ago. And the, <laughs> the, the thing that I know is nice is that I get to do it for five more years. So I just, I just honestly can't wait because it's not like people are all of a sudden going to start liking Chris Middleton. So uh, yeah, uh, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks because I'm sure we're going to get to have this conversation again. And then two months from now and another month after that and, we're just gonna keep doing this for for all of time, because uh, uh, I don't see an end to it anytime soon. Anything else on Middleton?
0: No, we've got all summer to talk about, Chris, <laughs> or the next half decade, as you as you said.
1: <laughs> um, I'm I was just thinking about this. I don't even know what podcast it was. I think it was uh, a mailbag. sometime. somebody asked who we thought might get like jerseys retired uh, for the Bucks, and. You you had said like oh yeah like Giannis will get his jersey retired, and then we like both kind of came to the realization that like oh if Chris signs that contract, and they're really good throughout that time like Chris Middleton might get his jersey retired, and today is a step towards that, and man. I don't know what people are going to do if 22 is up in the rafters for Chris Middleton. Like that is going to be, uh, there's going to be a strange night, uh, when that happens. So we'll see if the, well, as
0: long as they win a championship, everyone will be fine with it. But yeah, (laughs) if they don't win a championship, then, um, Bucks Twitter, I mean, Bucks Twitter was already, um, you know, Bucks Twitter was, was angry with Chris Middleton when, the it was merely an idea of him getting a huge contract. Now that he actually has that huge contract, um, you know, nobody nobody no, nobody sort of baked in like the fact that he was underpaid for the last you know six years or whatever, um, five years whatever. Uh, uh, you know, when we were kind of talking about stuff all year long. So now that he's actually getting paid, um, I'm sure there will be there will be no shortage of, of debate about you know how Middleton stopped them from doing this or that. And look, I mean, every time you sign some, it's, I mean, it is correct that you spend money on one thing, you have less flexibility to do other things. Now, we obviously also talked about, it's not like, you know, signing Chris means that they could have signed Kawhi or KD or, you know, whatever, right? Um, there, There wasn't that sort of direct substitution option available to them. And next summer's free agency class looks weaker than this one. So again, I mean, that's kind of the irony, right? It's like every summer we kind of see all these guys, you know, especially the big name guys. I mean, to get really, really good players, you have to generally pay them more than what they're worth, unless they are the super superstars, in which case you can't overpay them because of the max contracts. So I don't know. I mean, again, as much as the Bucks are in a different place now than they used to be, um, you know, it's really hard to find those guys and get them to sign with you. And, and so i think in the grand scheme of the universe like you know you can kind of bank on that low probability woulda coulda shoulda or you can kind of take the dudes who are in front of you that obviously you've proved you can contend with so anyway i feel like we've had this conversation like 80 times (laughs) i don't think at this point if you i don't think we're going to change the minds of people who, who disagree with that but again it's really to me it's just you know kind of risk reward and um, you know, understanding kind of like a theory of constraints, like these were your constraints, these were your options. And again, I, I think when it comes to Middleton, I, I think the Bucks made the best decision they could. But again, that doesn't mean that, you know, this contract is going to be an easy one to, to move in a couple of years or one that is going to be a bargain because it is a huge amount.
1: All right. Uh, Let's move on to the final piece of, well, I guess it's not even the final piece. God, there's so much news. Um, All right. So Malcolm Brogdon, uh, uh, absolutely the most surprising of any of the moves um, as you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know that we saw this coming at all because and I think going into this, uh, Zach Lowe from ESPN had talked about how uh, the Bucks might have a walk away number for Malcolm that, all right, this is as far as we'll go. And if someone, you know, signs an offer sheet bigger than that, we're out. Like, we're done. Line is drawn in the sand. At that point, we will not match. And I mean, that sounded kind of crummy. Right? Like, okay, you either get Malcolm Brogdon or you don't. And that isn't a, a spot you want to be in. But, I mean, I, I think we talked about all this, that, you know, this is a spot that the Bucks were going to be in. They're going to have to think a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the luxury tax and if they were going to go into it. Uh, and, you know, I, I think both of us kind of talked through that, hey, you know, if you want to bring back a team as good as last year, you're going to have to be willing to go into luxury tax. Like that that you don't have to go into the luxury tax, but you ha- at least have to be willing to because you just don't know exactly how how big that number is going to be for Brogdon. And if you're not willing to go there, then you know you might not be able to get him and in the end the bucks drew that line in the sand and said You know they weren't going to go any higher, and still managed to get something out of it. They they pull off a sign and trade with the Indiana Pacers uh, as they are able to get uh, a first round pick and two future second round picks and uh, move Malcolm Brogdon. He ends up getting a four year eighty five million dollar deal from the Indiana Pacers, and I mean, it's kind of shocking to me that they got that much. Because, I mean, essentially what the Pacers paid for was, you know, the the ability to not see someone else give him an offer sheet uh, and the ability to wrap up what they needed to wrap up quickly and not wait on, you know, the six days for the moratorium to end and then the two days uh, that the Bucks could kind of stretch all of that out and then the two more days that a physical could stretch like, – essentially that's what they paid for. And they gave up a first round pick and two future second round picks. And I don't know. I, w- I was kind of surprised they got anything, but at, at the end of the day, like it's great from an asset management perspective uh, for the bucks, but their roster is worse. Like th- there's no way around it. Like they lost one of their three major free agents between Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez and Malcolm Brogdon and he's gone and they they may be able to move some picks um they they may be able to you know with the first and in the two seconds make something happen but also maybe they won't and they'll just go into next year with a with a team that is worse on paper and and that's not to say internal improvement can't take care of some of that but um they're worse right now
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, my, my guess was that with all the noise about the Bucks, having that walk number that, especially with the, the number that we ultimately saw offered to Brogdon, this four-year $85 million number, and we, we don't know exactly how it was structured, but I'm assuming that it'll be front-loaded with a declining salary because that's, well, we'll see. Because ultimately, it's a sign and trade. So, you know, they could have changed it once the Bucks agreed to, um, to do a deal. But if you wanted to set up a deal that would, the Bucks would be, least likely to match, you would have done stuff like, you know, put um, the, you know, make it very high to start, which would obviously make it more painful for the bucks from a tax perspective, and then decline it to hit that $85 million number rather than escalating number, you would have, you know, put a player option on it, or you'd put, you know, trade kickers and do do kind of different things to make it more, you know, um, unsavory to, to have to match it. Um, I believe it's just fully guaranteed. I don't think we've heard that there are any like a player option or anything like that on that. Um, but I, I would have thought kind of, as you were alluding to that, that the Malcolm Brogdon, um, adventure would be, he signs an offer sheet and the Bucks either match it or don't. Right. And it was a little confusing today because it, when it was first reported, it made it sound like Brogdon was signing an offer sheet, at which point the Bucks could just match it or not. They would not be able to do a sign and trade. Um, but you know, I think assuming the Bucks were not (laughs) going to match it. Obviously, yeah, I mean, you'd much rather get a first round pick and a couple of second round picks, whatever those might be, um, than, than nothing, right? So it's a little bit interesting because I think, you know, I was prepared for us to having the conversation of, okay, the Bucks match the offer sheet and they're now going to be in the tax and they've got to figure out, presumably they're going to try to figure out how to get out from under that. Um, but they put their money where their mouth was. You know, we've heard all season that they'd be willing to pay the tax for a team that can contend for a championship. And Brogdon, as you said, was obviously you know the most talented guy that they could get. Given you know him leaving, was not going to just open up a bunch of cap space that they could go spend on you know a similarly talented player. So I was prepared for us to sort of have that. You know, the well, the Bucks either cheaped out and showed that they weren't willing to pay the tax or they you know basically gritted their teeth and matched it and now they have to pray that you know his right foot uh, or I guess at this point both of his feet um, hold up and that you know the injury issues he's had the last two years don't carry over moving forward. but where we ended up was obviously something that was sort of in between because they were able to salvage some assets out of this trade. Um, I think if you looked at, this this deal sort of in a vacuum right like in a vacuum uh to an average team especially one that you know maybe had some concerns around that foot would you rather have you know those picks or owe malcolm brogdon that amount of money probably a lot of teams that would probably take the picks (laughs) um but as you said for the bucks now you have less talent and so especially the way the league is shaking out. And we'll talk more about kind of the macro view of, of where the league is, you know, with Kevin Durant basically taking his red shirt year now in, in uh, Brooklyn, we don't know exactly what the nets are going to look like or how good Durant's going to be, obviously when he's coming back uh, a little over a year from now, most likely. But again, like this, this coming season, there is an absolute window, I think where, you know, and we still haven't seen all the kind of pieces play out, but I think the Bucks and every other team has to be looking at this season as an up for grab season. You know, I think as we speak right now, I believe the Bucks are second in the title odds race behind only the Lakers. I believe the Lakers are like three to two, and the Bucks are like thirteen to two or something like that. And again, Lakers probably are always going to be a little bit overstated because you know people like to bet on them, I guess. Um, but uh, but anyway, I, I think it's. Um, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting ground to be in because I think you have to, I'd want to see what they do with the room exception. I want to see what they do with those picks because you're going to go into the season. Most likely we'll see what they do with the room exception. Again, the Rolo has been mentioned probably not how I prioritize adding kind of the rest of the roster. They're going to need four or five more guys. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, but really the question now is, well, okay, you traded Brogdon for the ability to both bring back George Hill, which we'll get to in a second. Like I think if you max, if you match the Brogdon offer, you're not going to have the cap space they used to go sign George Hill. And I don't, again, I'm, I'm going to guess that they couldn't have used the room exception to get George Hill back. So essentially, you know, it's Brogdon plus the room exception and likelihood of them trying to shed salary in different ways or do you want george hill the room exception and those three picks and you know obviously they're not under any pressure to to avoid the tax now so you know again i think fundamentally i think you know i don't think ownership wants, wants to pay the tax i mean we've talked about this like are there scenarios where they would pay the tax maybe hopefully there would be scenarios where they'd pay the tax Clearly, there wasn't one that involved paying Malcolm Brogdon this amount of money. Um, And again, if you use that as a constraint, you'd say, okay, well, I'm glad they got something for him. Um, But I think now the question is, what can you do with what you essentially got in lieu of that? You know, okay, George Hill's locked up. You got the room exception. You've got these picks. How are you going to use these to give yourself that chance at winning a championship? And again, you know, as we've talked about, Ultimately, everything at this point is going to be judged by whether or not the Bucs win a championship or not. It's very binary, right? The Bucs lose in the second round next year, lose in the finals, whatever. If they don't win a championship, we're going to look back, and especially if Brogdon plays well for the Pacers, we're going to look back and say, was not matching Malcolm Brogdon the reason that you couldn't get over that hump? We're going to say, okay, great, you got those picks. You know, Did they use them? If they don't use them, we'll say, you just ducked the luxury tax, and then you didn't cash in those things okay, you know, you got what you paid for, right? So um, I think we're still sort of in the to-be-continued phase of the offseason. I mean, it's only June 30th as we record this. Um, there's still more work to do for the Bucks, And I think, again, they have secured their, themselves in the discussion for a championship and being in a title contending position, um, you know, not just this year, but I think for the next couple of years at least. Um but now the obvious question is, can you do more stuff uh, moving forward to uh, to give yourself a chance uh, to to actually win it? And hundred percent agree. I mean we we talked about it during the season. I mean, especially with Hill uh, and the likelihood that he was going to leave at the time, we thought Hill was the more likely guy to leave just because he was going to get bought out. That was inevitable. Um, you know, we talked about like in Miritich as well. Like, are you? Are you? Is this likely the most talented team that you're going to be able to put around Giannis? And again, it's very possible that, that was that that ends up being the case, right? Um, you're going to need Dante. You're going to need DJ. You're going to need Sterling Brown to get better, step up into bigger roles this coming season. You're going to need Giannis to continue to get better. You know, hopefully, guys like Bledsoe uh, actually don't look like a shell themselves in the play in the playoffs um i think there's there's probably a lot of upside in the playoffs for the guys including Giannis, to play a lot better than they did especially against toronto um but again like you know so much of what what the bucks do now is going to come down to proving it in very small samples you know the playoffs are small samples and you know if they make moves with those picks to add a vet at the deadline uh for instance then it's gonna be, okay, does that guy get you over the hump in uh, in May and June?, uh, kind of the way they they banked on Miritich maybe doing that last season. So um, again, it, it's it, it's to me, you're kind of in I don't wanna say I don't know if no man's land is the right right term for it, but it's definitely like I'm feeling very much like an incomplete as far as how we judge where the bucks are so far this off season because absolutely you are sort of at a deficit right now in terms of talent relative to last year. But you have at least restocked the the cabinets or restocked the shelves a little bit in terms of your assets, in terms of picks. Um, You now have the ability to actually make trades around future first round picks with second round picks, which basically the Bucks had nothing they could could do um, as of yesterday. Now you at least have something you can do. Um, But I think as far as like, you know, pressure being on the front office to figure out how you fill out the rest of this roster and make those last moves that actually give you the best chance of competing for a championship. Again, you're close, you're in that discussion, but now you got to make smart moves from here on out still.
1: Because this night will not end. uh, Chris Haynes now reporting that the Milwaukee Bucks will bring in Robin Lopez. As their backup center next season, so free agent center Robin Lopez has reached an agreement with the Milwaukee Bucks. League sources tell Yahoo Sports that tweet from Chris Haynes. Uh, now, ten forty eight here in the Central Time Zone. Um, all right, let's figure out how to basically how to, the
0: room. Okay, so basically what I just all that I just said about what they do with the room exception and how important that is seems that is going to Robin Lopez. Again, I would have said earmark a minimum contract for your backup center because I would just play the four guys we mentioned as your bigs. I wouldn't get a second true big man, Um, but there you go. There's the Bucks decision. Yeah,
1: and the the Bucks depth chart is just kind of weird now. Um, You know, like as you look through it, because it's so you have two point guards in Bloodstone Hill. But I also think Hill will regularly get used in lineups with the starters. Shooting guard Sterling Brown, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton. George Hill is Small definitely forward. your
0: closer, right? I mean I don't at this point yes. George Hill's in your closing lineup, which Arguably, he should have been last year anyway in, in many on many nights, um, pre- perhaps in front of Eric Bledsoe. But now he's definitely part of that discussion.
1: So, shooting guards: Sterling Brown down to DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton. I think we can agree all three of those guys are shooting guards and not small forwards. Small forward, Chris Middleton. Power forwards, Jan Kumbo or Sonny Lisova, DJ Wilson. Uh, and for the moment, John Lure, uh, who will get stretched. And then at center, you have the bros low. Or the
0: low bros. <laughs> the bro's
1: or, I'm not. not really sure. The low bros. <laughs> um, By the way, I'm,
0: I'm, like, I'm, that's your... I'm, I, I should have said it before. I mean, on a personal just like enjoying him as a human being perspective, that's another like big bonus of getting Brooke back. And having both Lopez brothers is, I mean, hilarious. It's funny because they always act like they don't really like each other that much, but obviously they do. Um, and it's obviously funny to that the idea of them playing together for the first time since Stanford. So I'm I'm all for the traveling comedy duo of Brooke and Robin Lopez. I just wasn't really sure. I'm all for it, but I'm I'm, ter- ter-
1: I'm terrified of it. If I'm being totally honest, like I don't know how any like Velasquez and I are just texting right now. Like I don't know how we're gonna handle those two because uh, it is going to be it'll be wild with both of those guys because they they certainly like to have some fun uh, with guys on the beat, no matter what beat or where uh, that beat is. So, um, all right, that, that'll be wild. So, okay, I, I guess kind of going back to where you were, we're going to get into George Hill, I, I suppose, and we're going to get into uh, Robin Lopez as well. But, you know, I guess just kind of thinking through – the the decision it's you know like i I think the like ownership i I would guess is still going to want to make sure everyone knows that like hey we'll pay the luxury tax for for a winner and obviously we heard john horst say that before uh draft night so two wednesdays ago like he he did obviously say that but you know this was their first opportunity to pay, pay the luxury tax and when I say their first opportunity, obviously anytime you want, you could spend recklessly and, and pay the luxury tax. But this was their first chance where I think anyone would say, hey, if you keep Malcolm Brogdon, you're gonna have better title chances next year. And whether that means uh, you know they, they still would have had the they still would have had the room ex- exception, right? So you still could have had Brogdon and Robin Lopez. Um, so instead of that with some minimum contracts at the end, you decided instead to go with George Hill, a first round pick in two future seconds, uh, and, and then Robin Lopez. So you made that decision and, you know, this may be something where you're uncomfortable with Malcolm Brogdon. You're uncomfortable with, uh, his injury history. You're uncomfortable with him playing up to the level of someone making uh, about $21 million a year um, being, you know, your, your fourth option, fifth option, some nights on the, on the team, uh, obviously other nights, your second or third option. Um, but you're uncomfortable with that and you didn't want to pay that and you didn't want to pay the luxury tax for that and, you know, get, get those penalties and pay even more. Uh, so you, you didn't want to do that and you went this route and, Again, it might work, but, uh, you know, uh, there's a very old saying and it's actions speak louder than words. And at this point, the words have said luxury tax is fine. The actions have said we're not paying the luxury tax and we're going to do what we can to keep under the luxury tax. So uh, that to me is, is, you know, what makes all of this so interesting is that like i think we're gonna have to keep having these conversations and it to me it's just like okay if if what this team was wasn't good enough this year what is good enough is it just a malcolm brogdon problem like is it was it that just malcolm brogdon wasn't good enough there you know what i mean like what like what yeah what I, don't, is- I don't think that was it yeah like like so so, what are you you really trying to say here and like uh, you have to you have to kind of think through all this stuff and uh, again you know luxury taxes questions aren't going anywhere uh, Giannis is in, in an ideal world going to sign a supermax next year and if he signs a supermax next year when that extension is eligible um you know, you're going to be in this same, the same area. You're going to be, you're going to be here for a long time because there's no way you can put a team together with a super max for Giannis, the, a near max for Chris and, and put a, a product on the floor without being around the luxury tax. So if that, if this is what happens every time you get close, how, how much closer do you have to be? <laughs> is it only if you make a finals appearance? Is it uh, if you win the finals, you'll you'll bring it back? Like I, I, to me, that's where where all of this gets really interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean it's um, it, it, I mean I think right now we're looking at eleven guys uh, on the roster. Um, I think your bigs let you do a lot of let you play some very different ways stylistically. You know, obviously with the Lopez brothers, you have two guys who can play kind of defensively like very kind of old school protect the rim type basketball i'm very curious how much robin um looks to extend his range from a shooting perspective he started to do that a little bit last year he had an a uh three point celebration uh i assume you're familiar with it where it looks like he's like drinking a tea with his like <laughs> uh pinky finger sticking I, out and doing this like i'm aware this this great flourish um Still, he's only a 22% career three-point shooter. So, I mean, he is no brook when it comes to to shooting from deep. Um, but he's obviously a rugged guy um, who, again, gives you a, a kind of a more of a traditional big man. But, you know, it, it's tough to say. I mean, again, I think, um, you know, what we saw... I mean, this is kind of the funny part, too. Is I mean, why did the Bucks lose in the playoffs, right? Like, why did they lose that series against the Raptors? Well, Eric Bledsoe looked afraid, Uh you know, uh, Nico Miritich couldn't hit a shot to save his life. And, you know, Giannis didn't look like himself, right? Chris Middleton didn't didn't play. He shot threes fine, but, you know, didn't hit enough twos. Um, so, again, it was just kind of your best player, didn't really play as well as you'd like. Brogdon had some really good games. You know, Brogdon, I think, certainly was not the problem against the Raptors, especially given the way he defended against Kawhi, which was, you know, a really pleasant surprise because, you know, I think against smaller guys, he, he sometimes struggles, especially giving over... Um, getting over screen. so, um, so it's kind of one of those things, right? Like we can analyze, like, you know, the Bucks sort of in this very macro sense, um, or you know, then we can also zoom into like, well, certain matchups, you know, like what literally happened against the Raptors or how they might match up against other kind of top teams in the East. You know, Philly got bigger certainly uh, this th- today with adding Al Horford to uh, to Joel Embiid. Um, So I think that's interesting. Right. I mean, I think certainly if you lost Brooke to an injury, you have more cover that you can at least play one traditional center with Robin now. But again, I mean, there there still is work to do here. And I think those picks now, I mean, again, using up that room exception on Robin, um, I have the bucks at around 122 million and change in terms of committed salary. For next year, that includes uh Lore being stretched, puts Hill at like a shade over nine million, Chris at thirty point six million, and Brooks starting at twelve million, Robin at four point eight million. Uh, and then you've got you've got four uh four guys for dead weight. Lore three point two million stretch, Spencer Hawes, the last year of his two million stretch, Larry Sanders, uh the perpetual one point nine million that he's owed, and George <laughs> Hill at the one million that was part of his buyout. Um so you have 122 million. Basically, you're 10 million under the tax, um, with uh, with only 11 guys on the roster. So I imagine, you know, again, they could sign four more guys, obviously, to like essentially minimum contracts. Maybe they only do three. Um, but again, the question is like, do they find something they can do this summer with first round picks, uh, or do they do they try to do something in season? Right? Like, do they try to do something at the deadline? And so you know, again, it may not, it may be months and months and months before, you know, we can really, I mean, okay, I'll say that it, it, it's going to be years before we can fully assess how much this Brogdon deal may or may not have hurt them, you know, not, not keeping Malcolm. Um, I think in a, in a general sense, you got older, right? I mean, essentially picking Hill, uh, what is he, 33, uh, over Malcolm, who, you know, maybe is an old 26 or an injury prone 26, but he's still, 26 going on 27 which obviously you know aligns better to Giannis's prime for sure right um you know if if you knew Brogdon was going to be kind of what you saw last year a little bit better and you knew he was going to be 100 healthy then I think I'd probably keep Malcolm I'd probably probably rather have Malcolm Brogdon you know um but again the combination of the tax concerns a combination of probably injury concerns and just you know again committing all that money to a guy who obviously is you know complimentary and and not you know, a guy that they probably deemed as essential to what they're doing as, as the guys that they signed earlier in the day. You know, again, um, these are the decisions the Bucks have made so far and it may very well come back to, to haunt them. Um, but you can pretty much say that about any decision they make at this point. Like, you know, every decision is literally a, is this, is this going to take you closer to or further away from a championship? And I think certainly, you know, um, we'll see if their wing of the luxury tax uh, ultimately, you know, was the thing that, uh, I mean, we will never like really know, right. If, if that was the difference between a championship or not. Um, but if you don't win it, that question is going to follow you around forever. Right. And uh, especially given how good this team was, we always, we always talked about it, you know, fuck it. Let's win a championship. That's been kind of our central mantra. And uh, obviously the Bucks decided, eh, well, let's we're not quite willing to do that we'll see what happens from here i I, it's uh it's 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 a slippery slope at this point that that's maybe the 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 kindest way i can put it
1: yeah and i mean you know maybe there's maybe there's a day three months from now where the you know a pick gets traded and all of a sudden we just go to ourselves and say oh they, they are going for it and you know they did make a move that is going to push them over the top or or make this roster even better or something like that. Like we, I think your, your point about not fully being able to grade this now is important while also acknowledging that we can only kind of judge things on the evidence we have in front of us. And we saw that they have the luxury tax in front of them and they decided to avoid it. And that might be a great decision. That might be a bad decision. We, Don't know for sure yet. We just know that that was the decision they made at this moment. And we can think through what that says to us and what all of that might means. And hopefully we did that with some sort of logic and coherence uh, in this podcast. So uh, to recap everything uh, here at 1103 uh, on Sunday night, all right, let's see if I can do all of this from memory and I don't need to pull anything up. Brooke Lopez, 4 years, 52 million back to the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Middleton, 5 years, 178 million back to the Milwaukee Bucks. Malcolm Brogdon, 4 years, 85 million to the Indiana Pacers in exchange the Milwaukee Bucks are able to grab a first-round pick and two future second-round picks. George Hill, back to the Milwaukee Bucks, three years, $29 million. Robin Lopez joins his brother, Brooke Lopez, for two years. Uh, Chris Haynes just tweeted out that it is the full room exception for both years. I think that's 4.8 in each of those, 4.9. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Frank. Um, 4.8 and 5, something like that. That right there is the first day of free agency for the Milwaukee Bucks. I would like to go to sleep. How does that sound to you, Frank?
0: Yeah, the Bucks wanted to make sure that they kind of pretty much did everything on day one, which um, I think the Brogdon deal especially was, uh, I did not expect necessarily that that would happen on day one, but um, I I had not even really thought about kind of end of the roster minimum guys that could be signed. Uh, But essentially, that's, that's the big question now. Um, I think maybe we can talk a little bit as well. Uh with those picks that they have gotten. I think they could certainly use those in season, but we can also discuss, you know, is there another move that they might have up their sleeve where they use um, you know, an a salary or another one of these young guys to try to make a bigger move and add somebody there? Because again, right now, probably around ten million dollars under the luxury tax. So it's not like you have um, you know, you have limitations on how much money you can take back, but um, you know, at this point they're, they're not in, they're not desperately in shed, shed tax, you know, shed tax money, uh, mode, which, you know, kind of is what we were expecting to, to probably be in, especially if, if Brogdon had been signed. So, um, many, many things have changed and obviously we'll probably talk a lot about that more tomorrow and, and the day after.
1: All right. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. Get some sleep Bucks fans and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.